and I would strap a laptop to the back of my Schwinn bike cruiser. I remember one day they were doing construction on Almerton and I was going out to Coastal and I'm literally on a Schwinn yeah. beach cruiser on Almerton, like on rocks like this. And there's a big vodka board and I'm like, if I could just drink, right? And I think back to those times and, you know, where I am today and that breakfast that you talked about. You know, that was a really, really powerful moment for me because I had. There were a lot of people in that room. Yes. Who were part of like a transformation. That's for you. right. And uh, it, it, being there, I was on the stage with you and I, I was like, I almost cried, hmm. uh, you know, listening to you talk about it. But I mean, just awesome. So I said I was to switch gears a little bit. Mm. So we came together for this uh, because you and I were at an event recently together. Mm, um, sure will. When was that? Was that January? February. February? February? That was the 10-year anniversary of the same event that you mentioned at the beginning of the show. Yes, you're right. Mm-hmm. And um, I got an opportunity to see you speak. Um, we, we were both there together to do the same thing. Mm. And um, it was emotional for me, and I wasn't even the one doing it. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, for, for me – Listening to you give out gratitude that day. Oh, you're talking about that event. Okay. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah the, the, uh, the, it was the South, South Florida, Florida region uh, yeah. inspiration. So um, listening to you give out gratitude that day, having kind of watched your story from afar, what I took away was look what you have done with second chances, mm. right? And I think a lot of times you've heard it say before, but sometimes setbacks are setups. They sure are. So I was wondering if you might be willing to share your story with us a little bit of what set you up to the success that you're having today. Yeah, you know, it, 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 I mentioned at the beginning of the show that it's kind of I'm in my I'm in my runway, I should say, of like my 10 year anniversary of something pretty big. And the first lever was November of last year of 2021, and the final point of it um, all coming to an end will be Memorial Day of this year. And the two events that you're talking about, the first event that you mentioned at the beginning of the show was my first conference where I showed up. um, I was in one of the darkest places of my life at that time. I was 31 years old. I was 32, actually, at that point. I had worked in Wall Street. I had lived in Manhattan. I had gone to college. I had done some pretty amazing things in my life. My mother had worked really hard as a single parent to give me amazing opportunities and um at 32 i was back home i was in a relationship with a man that i didn't love he didn't love me i made sure he was fed and he made sure the bills were paid and i always share that because there could be someone out there listening that's in a similar situation and i want you to hear that yeah yeah i want you to hear that there is a way out and it doesn't have to be necessarily the one that got me out it can happen a lot sooner and i was just miserable you know, and at that point, I didn't want to feel. So I was drinking a lot. I was drinking in the mornings just to get over the hangovers from the night before and all because I just didn't want to feel. And I, and I hated where I was. And I was, I was disappointed. I was ashamed. You know, my mother had worked so hard. And here I was with nothing to show for it. And I wanted to become, I wanted to go into real estate, mostly because I didn't want a boss, right? Because at that time (laughs) in my life, I was like, I'm completely unemployable and realtors don't have to work for me. Make my own schedule, right? Make make a lot of money or make a little money and have time. It's time or money. And they make a lot of money. I mean, you know the delusion, the hallucination that people have about realtors. Yeah. Yeah. And everything I had done up to that point, I had started as an assistant. You know, my mom started as an assistant with Raymond James in 1985. When I graduated from high school, she was a senior <coughs> VP of institutional sales. Wow. So that that pathway had always been the way, generationally, that I had seen a way to get yeah. there. Mm-hmm. And so 
Nikki Ubaldini, who owns the South Florida region for Keller Williams, hired me to be a director of agent services in her office because I wanted to learn the business before I went in. Went into it, yeah. And I, I say today, and I just talked to her two days ago, you know, Nikki is the queen of second chances. And I truly believe that God brought her into my life at that time, knowing that 10 years, 11 years later, she would still be one of the biggest mentors that I've ever had. And one of my biggest cheerleaders, right? And there's not many decisions I make in business without Nikki, right? Without really big decisions, I should say. And so at that time, I was drinking a lot. I went to Linda Strait, who was a team leader at the time, and said, can I go to family reunion? And I walk into this conference, and the sea of red, it was Red Bash. You've been to a Red Bash. And everybody's so happy. I mean, they were smiling, and everybody was so happy to see each other. And it was everything that I wasn't at that time. Like, I couldn't even fathom what that type of happiness felt like. And I wanted it. you know. And I realized that everything I was filling this God-sized hole with, with alcohol, was God, family, and business. And that's all they talked about. Mm -hmm. And I came back from that conference and I cried out to God and I said, I don't want to live, but I don't want to die and I don't know how to get out of where I'm at. And I believe he whispers, then he speaks, then he yells, and then he roars. And I had a lot of whispers, I had a lot of speaking, I had a lot of yells. And I would continue down this destructive path for the next few months. And in Memorial Day weekend of 2012, I went to a Mary Kay party with a few realtors and I had a lot to drink. They had no idea I was drinking behind. At this point, I was drinking behind everyone's back, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. just typical alcohol tendencies. Yeah. And because nobody could know. Right. And um, on the way home, I made a U-turn on East Bay Drive in front of a motorcycle. And for two days, I thought he was dead. And I thought I was going to prison for the rest of my life. Wow. Wow. You know, it's, I've told this story a lot in the last 10 years. I think that, that this time it's, it's different because it's, it's the 10 year anniversary, right? It's a big milestone. And I got out of jail the next morning and, and called to find out where my car was. And they said it was being held an investigation of a vehicular homicide. And I remember looking at my mom who is just about as far away from me as you are, Brian. And I said, what am I going to do if I killed someone? And my whole life changed in an instant. Think oh, by the grace of God, that man didn't die that day. Um, I truly believe that God knew I'd be more useful out here than I would be behind bars. But it started a very, you know, difficult, challenging recovery process. Um, what's amazing about you know the company that one of the companies that we serve, Keller Williams, at the time as an employee, they put their arms around me. You know, Nikki obviously had to make some tough decisions rightfully so for the Mm -hmm. business but the agent said you know we know you want to make a difference so we want to hire you to come do some assistant work people rallied around you that's right and I would strap a laptop to the back of my Schwinn bike cruiser I remember one day they were doing construction on Almerton and I was going out to Coastal and I'm literally on a Schwinn beach cruiser on Almerton like on rocks like this and there's a big vodka board and I'm like if I could just drink right and I think back to those times and you know where I am today and that breakfast that you talked about, you know, that was a really, really powerful moment for me because I had... There were a lot of people in that room yes. who were part of like a transformation That's for you. That's right. And uh, it, it, being there, I was on the stage with you and I, I was like, I almost cried, hmm. uh, you know, listening to you talk about it. But I mean, just awesome. Yeah. What's the adjective I want to use? Um, listen, there's a lot of people that get second chances in life. Yep. What you do with it matters. That's right. And I love your story because 
you did something with the second chance. And I love the fact, too, that you're willing to share it. Because I believe that God puts us through times like that in our life, and he didn't intend for us to keep it a secret. Mm. Like, as much as it hurts or, or it might be even a little bit embarrassing, right, to, to yep. share something like that, if, if you don't ever share it, you're never giving God the opportunity to be glorified in what he did after. That's right. That's right. right? That's right. And, and also, you know, the story owns you. Until you start telling the story, then you own the story. When I started sharing my story with people, that's when I finally owned the story. And, you know, here's the deal. I didn't survive cancer. I didn't lose a limb. I didn't fight a war. I really effed my life up. Right. Mm -hmm. And if you did the same, I'm here to show you that there's redemption, there's recovery. You can become the person that you want to be, you know, and and people. It's interesting as a coach. Now, people come to me and say, I want the life you have. And I'll warn them, like, are you ready? Are you ready for the transformation and the work Mm -hmm. behind? it? Oh, yeah, I'll do anything. And then we get 30, 60, 90 days, 90 days in. Right. Of what I mean, has been a 10 year journey. And they're like, no, I can't do it. I can't do it, yeah. right? Yeah. And you know, it does. It has to start. You're with your spirit. Then you go to your mental. Then you go to your emotional, and then you do your physical. You know, the physical. I could have never lost. I lost 45 pounds last year, and went from being the girl that said, "If you see me running, you should probably run because <laughs> yeah. I'm running to <laughs> something or away from it." Right? Chased, yeah. To the girl that now does spin five days a week. Right? I would not have been able to do that if my head. And my spirit and my emotions yeah. were not corrected. So it's it's a process, it's been a journey. Yet it's one of the most rewarding things that yeah. I've ever I've ever done. So I, th- I think a couple of things that hopefully people take away from what you just shared. First of all, it, it wasn't an overnight journey. No, you, you just share with us. It's been ten. You're coming up on ten, 10 years. Yeah, um, uh, of that recovery or return or or whatever you want to call it. And I'm sure during that time you went through some challenges. Mm. Like it wasn't all easy, right? Yeah. Um, what keeps you going? You know, it's like I said. You know, the first is I had to get my spirit right, and I had to I had to come to a place of humility to say, left to my own devices, I screw my life up. Right. Clearly, my decisions, my way of thinking, the way that I was programmed, these limiting beliefs that I have aren't getting me anywhere. So there's got to be something bigger than me that can direct this. And like Mm -hmm. I said, you know, earlier in the show, I don't care who your God is, as long as you don't think it's you. Right. Mm -hmm. It could be the doorknob. It can be a group of people. It can be Mother Nature. But finding something that is bigger than you that you're going to seek direction from. That was number one. Mm -hmm. And then number two, once I got my spirit straight, was getting my mental straight. You know, I'm not. I am not responsible for my first thought. My first thought is always going to come based on my programming. I am responsible for my second thought. Mm-hmm. And I had to begin to train my second thought to tell my first thought, we don't think like that anymore. We don't yep. think like that anymore. Yep. I shared with uh, some coaching clients this morning, I had, um, for the ladies out there, I had a mammogram done on Monday. And I was on a coaching call Tuesday morning, and I there's only one person that can get through to me while I'm on coaching calls, and that's my mom. And my mom sent me a text and said, I need to talk to you ASAP. And it's the first time probably in a long time I've paused a coaching call, and she said, something came back, and they want you back, and they need you back tomorrow morning, like really quick, right? And as strong as I am mentally today, your mind, you can't yeah. help, is going to go yes, there, right? Absolutely. And by the way, I yeah. went this morning. Everything's fine. For those of you that awesome. are listening and yeah. know me, it's all good. Good to hear. Yet, I, I shared with that this morning. It's not that those thoughts aren't going to come. It's not that you're not going to go there. It's how do you 
think through them? How do you talk to yourself through them? And those thoughts would, and of course, right, when this happens, all you see is cancer everywhere, by the way. So if this happens, just be prepared. Like you're all of a sudden you're seeing more like the Facebook feed that somebody passed or the news article about Googling because your reticular (laughs) activator is on cancer, right? Yet what I chose to do during those days was, okay, like, what do I need to reevaluate in my life? Like, what do I need to look at that maybe I've rested on my laurels or who am I not giving time to or where am I not present? And then just talking myself out of it and manifesting that it's nothing. This happens. We want it to be routine. We want to find these things. We want them to call us back in. So it's first getting your spirit, then getting your mind, right? Then your emotions. Emotional intelligence was probably the biggest challenge for me. And that I had to study. And really the the pivotal thing, I believe that when you open yourself up to this journey, God will bring people into your life that will get you closer to where you wanna be. If not, you need to go find them. And I spend my summers in Bellingham, Washington, and um, up in Ben Kenny's region. And um, I live in a basement apartment of my best friend who is the most even-keeled, non-emotional person you've ever (laughs) met in your entire life. And by living and immersing myself around her for three months out of the summer, my emotional intelligence started to change. I see. It's very difficult to be emotional around someone that lacks High emotion, emotion, right? right? Not that she doesn't have emotion. She's just very in control of her emotions. Yeah. Yeah. And then once I got all of that straight, then I was able to endure the physical aspect of it. But the interesting part is people usually don't notice the first three things until the physical change comes. Yeah. Now all of a sudden people are like, oh, it's Brindley 2.0. And I'm like, hey guys, like that's only like a year and a half of it. And it's only the last year and a half, right? Yes. So it's... First, you got to get your spirit right. Then you got to get your head right. Then you got to get your heart right. And then you can start working on your outside and making sure that your outsides and your insides match. Yeah. Yeah. Man, what an awesome story. Great story. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks thanks for sharing. I I realize that's not easy to talk about. You know, it's... It's easy for the reasons that you said, Brian, right? Like I hope somebody out there, if, if you're listening, first of all, if you're struggling with any type of addiction or depression, um, there is hope, there is help. Um, you know, I heard someone say the other day, there's not a lack of resources, there's a lack of resourcefulness, yes. right? We just have to use the resources. Um, but also, you know, it, it's, you're in control of you. And most of the time when we're in fear, it's because we're in fear of not getting what we want, are losing something that we have, which Mm -hmm. means we're focused on something that we absolutely have no control over. And we all want control. You mentioned it earlier. So we've got to switch that and start focusing on the thing that we can control, which is us. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. You, you know, you were talking about, um, you know, your first thoughts, right? Mm -hmm. And you were, you're talking about Nikki Ubaldini, who, who I love as well. And uh, one of the things I, I learned from her years ago was she talks about the difference between reacting and responding. Oh, she's right? good at this. Yes. Right? So like our, our first thought is the, rea- is That's the right. reaction, right? And, and if you, a lot of times, if you count al- to 10, yeah, a lot of, a lot of times, Backwards. if, you, Oops. if you, a lot of times, if you allow that reaction, it can be negative. Of course. Right? Now, now, not all reactions are negative, right? So like, you know, uh, a mosquito bites me on the hand. I'm going to slap it. That's not necessarily a negative response, right? Yep. But our, you know, our first response might not be well. Our first reaction might not be well thought through. But if you take the time to slow down mm-hmm. and respond, we typically get to a more rational conclusion or, or, or decision, conclusion, yeah. and, and that's the second. 
That's right. Thought, right? That's the second thought. And Nikki's really good at that. And I remember, I can actually see what she was wearing when she taught me this. She's like, and it was actually a real life situation. She said, do you want my reaction or do you want my response? Because if you want my reaction, then I'm going to answer you right now. And that's probably not, not going to be great. But if you're willing to wait for my response, we'll probably have more of a win-win situation. Yep. And that, you know... Here's the thing. We're all going to react at some point, right? Especially yeah. if you're an external processor. A lot of external processors process externally, which can be perceived as reaction. Yes. So if you're working with someone, it's really important to know what type of processor they are. Mm-hmm. My, you know, if from the outside, a lot of people will say that I run a tight ship. I'm very brutal. I'm very honest. I'm very direct. And the truth is, I'm just an external processor. If you believe the first thing that comes out of my mouth, then yeah, I'm probably not going to feel good or sound good. (laughs) Yet if you know that I'm an external processor, you know that I'm just saying out loud what's going on in my head. You're thinking it through. And once I get through it, you're going to get a completely different outcome in response, right? You're thinking it through. You're just doing it verbally. That's right. Right, That's right. And so I think it's when you're working with others or in marriages or friendships, knowing how the other person processes will help you a lot in your communication and your relationships. Cool. I like it. You got anything, bro? Good story. This was fun. Great story, yeah. You guys are awesome. Yeah, thanks for being here. No, it, thank you it, for having it, me. Are any, you kidding me? Anything else you'd love to share? You know, just if, if you're sitting here and you're like, that was a lot, I don't know where to start, just focus on your 1% improvement. Yep, just 1% and, a day. you know, the friend that I shared that I live with during the summer, she taught me this, and it's based on Atomic Habits. There's a book that's written on it if you want a good love resource. It. Tiny shift, yeah. It's just, what can I do that's 1% better than I was yesterday? Mm-hmm. And sometimes we got to make it that simple. We're so hard on ourselves. Like have self-grace. Just focus on the 1% because one day, 100 days from now, you'll be 100% better just by doing 1% yep. every day. Yep. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, Brantley, thanks for coming. Thanks for having Thank me, you. guys. This, this is fun. awesome. You've dropped, you've dropped a lot of bombs on us. And uh, man, what a, what a great uh, segment we put together. Aww, so thanks, thanks for coming guys. out. And thanks for coming and seeing us live. I know. This is so fun. You know, versus Zoom. Zoom. Way, right. way better. This is so, super fun. So again, so thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Context to Contracts podcast. On behalf of John, I'm Brian, and I'll speak for Brindley. If there's anything that you need, we're always here to serve. Bye.